it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello, and welcome to this episode of New Horizons. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks for your company. This week we speak with Ricky Chaplin. Ricky's no stranger to this program. He's a policy and advocacy officer with Blind Citizens Australia. Ricky Chaplin, welcome back. Thank you, Vaughan. Great to be talking to you again. You've been very busy over the last few months uh, responding to papers from the Disability Royal Commission. There's one in particular that uh, has caught our attention. And uh, that is about attitudes and rights of people with a disability. Do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about what that means? Sure. So the uh, the issues paper that the Disability Royal Commission uh, released was really an inquiry into how uh, attitudes towards people with disability developed, uh, what are those attitudes, and what impact do those attitudes have on the implementation of rights for people with disabilities. So essentially what I did was um, look at how the rights of people who are blind or vision impaired are affected by the attitudes about people who are blind or vision impaired are held by the general public, by you know government agencies, by organisations, etc. And there are a whole heap of issues that we're able to uh, examine uh, as examples, I suppose, of how those attitudes were impacting on people being able to implement their rights. Let's have a, a bit of a discussion about some of those attitudes. It's it's long been understood or at least believed that with, across the general public that most people would rather lose their hearing than their sight. Is that the sort of thing we're talking about here and the way that a belief like that and a, an understanding of that kind uh, would impact on um, the way that a sighted person perhaps would deal with someone who's blind or vision impaired? Yeah, it's very much about the perceptions of, of people who are blind or vision impaired, and we'll, we'll stick to that example, given that we're, you know, in the context of BCA. But, yeah, it's those uh, perceptions that are developed, and they're, they're developed due to multiple different sources. So portrayals of people who are blind or vision impaired on social media, for example, or, or in television, um, and also, I guess, the, the attitudes that are passed down from one generation to another regarding uh, disability generally, but also those more specific to uh, blindness or vision impairment. Um, so, you know, for example, uh, we have a, a massive problem with employment among people who are blind or vision impaired because it's widely believed by employers that people who are blind or vision impaired wouldn't be able to make a positive contribution to the workplace. And of course, we had the Art of the Future project, which um, BCA undertook to attempt to address that. But those are the sorts of issues that are examples of what attitudes are out there and how they're affecting people in daily life who are blind or vision impaired. I expect in your uh, submission on this issue, you were expected to uh, do a little bit of investigation as to how those attitudes might be changed and what the result might be if uh, those attitudes were changed. Uh, perhaps you could go into some examples there. I think what really came out of the submission uh, and the examination of, uh, of those attitudes, which we were able to highlight 
by um, using case studies and taking quotes from people directly who had experienced um, negative uh, attitudes regarding certain issues. So it could be guide dog access, it could be employment, uh, transport, etc. And um, we we're able to um, take some of the uh, the quotes from people uh, who had experienced those those sorts of things, and we were able to demonstrate that advocacy is really uh, a major player or a major key in being able to attempt to reverse those attitudes. And of course, you know, there are different strategies that we can implement in terms of advocacy. And, uh, you know, we can determine how effective something's going to be or, or monitor it, change those strategies uh, as needed. Uh, but I think what it really highlights is that attitudes aren't going to be changed overnight. And BCA is, uh, you know, our role in advocacy and in changing those attitudes is critical and is going to be a long-standing one. And I guess, too, the question comes down to how much is the responsibility of blind and vision-impaired people uh, themselves and how much is the responsibility of, uh, for example, the government, uh, disability service providers, uh, peak body organisations, and, you know, where does uh, work and um, advocacy within the general public come into it? Yeah, you're right. I think it's a mixture of both. And we, of course, work closely with many government agencies and organisations when we come across issues that require advocacy and which may well be the result of attitudes. And we work with those agencies to change those attitudes. That's why we're always lodging submissions. That's why we're assisting people with individual advocacy cases. And that's why we're equipping people uh, who are blind or vision impaired themselves with the skills to be able to, to advocate effectively. What do you hope the outcome of the submission will be? I think the outcome is going to be uh, quite long term. What I hope is that it enables us to develop a closer relationship with the Disability Royal Commission staff um, and that they will uh, want to have further dialogue with us about the impact of these of these attitudes. So, um, yeah, I think it, we're not going to see uh, changes um, immediately. But hopefully some good recommendations will come out of uh, these uh, issues, papers that people are responding to, that organisations are responding to. Rights and Attitudes, of course, are just one. We've also done a major paper on employment, which Jane Britt's been working on. Uh, and there was also one into um, emergency planning. These issues papers are a great opportunity for us to be able to um, relay to the Royal Commission in a considered manner um, what's happening on the ground. And so, you know, I hope that in the longer term, uh, the Commission will come up with some good recommendations for government, but also that they will want to consult further with us uh, about what can be done uh, in the meantime. The findings, or at least the investigations of the Royal Commission to this point, have been fairly far-reaching and, and fairly broad. Uh, as you mentioned, people are submitting individual stories about uh, their, their own situations, um, their education, their um, ability or otherwise to socialise and all sorts of other things that impact uh, those people directly. And organisations have been submitting on many, many uh, subjects to date. Do you have a concept at the moment as to how far the Royal Commission is going? 
I think we, we've probably seen, you know, some major holdups to the process due to COVID-19. Uh, the public hearings are only just going to get started with, within the next couple of months. So the evidence that they've been receiving probably has been hampered somewhat. Um, and I would think at the moment that uh, the two-year time frame uh, that the Royal Commission was going to run over, you know, is more than likely to be extended now. Um, so I think it will depend on the evidence they get as well. And I think I've said before that there are probably going to be things that they weren't expecting to hear and that will inevitably change the course of their investigation. So it, it's really important uh, that we make our, make our voice heard, take the opportunities that we're given and uh, respond both individually, but also as an organisation to the various issues, papers that come out and also to assist people to tell their stories so that, you know, there are those opportunities created for further investigation. Getting back to the uh, the paper that you were specifically working on, the attitudes and how they impact on the rights of uh, people with a disability, did you investigate and research Australia in isolation or did you get a sense of uh, how Australia compares with the rest of the world in terms of the general public's attitude to blind and vision impaired people? One of the things I did was approach the Norrie Disease Association email list, or sorry, Facebook page, and uh, there are people in that group uh, who are you know, international in, in terms of, you know, their origins. Um, and I did get a couple of uh, different quotes back from them, which were really telling. And that, that said to me that, you know, there really isn't much of a comparison um, in terms of, or, or much of a difference, I should say, in terms of what, what happens here versus what happens in the US, for example. Um, Governments, you know, can be seen to be more progressive in certain areas in some countries, but what happens, you know, among the general public uh, probably hasn't changed, you know, or isn't that much much different between countries, I suspect. Um, where it may be different uh, is where, uh, you know, some countries have been a bit more uh, progressive in terms of how they portray people with disabilities, and so there may be, you know, at an anecdotal level, some more inclusion uh, in social activities, community activities, things like that. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a bit hard to do a thorough investigation internationally. Um, but certainly, one of the things I talked about was the Disability Discrimination Act, and the fact that uh, we have ratified the United Nations uh, Convention on the Rights of Persons with a Disability. And, you know, how in, in certain aspects where we're still breaching that convention um, that, you know, other countries may be sticking more closely to in certain areas. So, you know, it, it's still something we've got to be very conscious of. And, you know, we, we should be um, where we know of examples of sound, sound practice in other countries. We should be taking note of that. Mm. And, and I guess the other thing too, investigating matters like this, um, a lot of it is based on anecdotal evidence and you have to be really careful when you're discussing uh, people's attitudes uh, as relating to blind and vision impaired people because often um, those outside uh, stakeholders' attitudes may uh, be as a result of something that the blind or vision impaired people have done themselves that has uh, you know, impinged on 
on that and and affected the uh, the way that they that they've been treated. Yeah, I mean that, that's always a very difficult topic, and I think one of the things that we've uh, tried to do at uh, at a local or at a national level in terms of BCA is to run you know the workshops that we did last convention regarding you know uh, people needing to accept each other within the blindness community and and what their needs are uh, to be non-judgmental that was one of the reasons I did it uh, you know or was keen to see that happen was that unless we work really hard you know to ensure that we're supportive of each other, you know, it, it's um, it's difficult to expect our sighted peers uh, to be as accommodating as we'd like them to be. And so I do think you're right that, you know, we have a, an obligation um, as people who are blind and vision impaired to conduct ourselves, you know, in a manner that's going to represent as many people as possible in our community well. What's your next step from here? Um. We're going to, at the um, uh, BCA Connect Forum that's going to be held on October 17, we're going to actually have uh, a commissioner from the Royal Commission on one of those uh, panel sessions throughout the day. And uh, it'll be a good opportunity for people to ask questions directly. Uh, And also we're hoping to have somebody who's actually uh, gone through the experience of lodging an individual submission uh, to feature on that panel as well. So that's what we're doing sort of in-house. Um, it's, yeah, a bit hard to know exactly how the commission are going to respond, but, um, yep, we do have a stakeholder relations person at, at the uh, commission, which has uh, really been, uh, you know, it, it's been a really nice addition in the last few months. So uh, if we don't hear anything, we've got the opportunity to follow up. So that's a good thing. And that was Ricky Chaplin there from Blind Citizens Australia. If you'd like to get in touch with BCA, call 1-800-033-660, or you can email bca at bca.org.au, bca at bca.org.au. I'll talk to you next week. Of our dreams